Thanks for listening to the Kinexus podcast. The content here was originally presented as a webinar, so if you would like to see a video that has the slides and audio synced, or if you would just like to view or download the slides that accompany the audio content here, please visit our website at kinexus.com slash webinars. Welcome to our webinar today titled A System-Wide Approach to Driving Process Improvement. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here with us uh, today. My name is Mark Graben. I am the VP of Customer Success for Kinexus, and I'm really happy to be joined today by our presenter, Jason Kuhn. So let me introduce um, today's speaker. Jason Coons is the Network Director of Process Excellence for the Kettering Health Network. His team is responsible for driving lean and process improvement strategy deployment across the network. Jason has an extensive background in hospital operations, change management, project management, and analytics. He's an innovative leader partnering with senior and executive leadership to drive operational excellence through effective strategy deployment and development of a culture of continuous improvement. Jason holds a master's in health administration from Ohio University and a bachelor's of science in industrial engineering from the University of Cincinnati. He's achieved the following certifications, including Six Sigma Green and Black Belts, Lean Healthcare, Project Management Professional, and ITIL Foundations. Um, so with that, uh, welcome, Jason, and I will go ahead and hand things over to you. All right. Thanks, Mark, and I appreciate everyone taking time out of their day to uh, tune in to the, the webinar that I'm about to present. As Mark said, like to take no more than uh, 40 minutes and then have time for question and answers at the end. So similar to that that we had uh, that was posted on the webinar, just really the major goals for today is really just talking through our system-wide approach to process improvement as it pertains to how we drive projects, how we lead training, and also look to create that culture of Kaizen through daily problem solving. And this speaks to some of the impacts that we've achieved uh, both last year and also since our department was first conceived in 2010. Also want to share with you how we've been using Kinexus over about the last year and a half uh, to really help us uh, drive an improvement in how we drive change and hold accountability and have improved transparency across our process improvement initiatives. And then last, I just want to share some lessons learned that we had when we when we started our journey as well as some lessons learned that I'd like to share with you on continuing your successful journey. So a little bit about Kettering Health Network for those that aren't familiar. Uh, we're actually located in Dayton, Ohio. As you can see, northeast is Columbus and south of us is Cincinnati, Ohio. We have, it's a hospital system. We've got seven hospitals across, across the system. The majority of our hospitals are located there in the kind of the greater Dayton area with some outlying facilities, one in Xenia, Ohio and also one down in Hamilton, Ohio, which is somewhat about halfway between Dayton and Cincinnati, not quite. We also have two freestanding emergency rooms uh, with a third on the way. Um, as far as the size of our network, we've got just over 1,500 licensed beds across, the across all of our hospitals, right around 11,000 employees, uh, 1,400 physicians. It's a mixed model of Alliance physicians and also employed physicians. I believe we have somewhere between four, 400 and 450 employed physicians at the time. As far as some of the volumes, our ERC between 275 and 300,000 employees, or patients I mean, and uh, we do about 40 to 45,000 discharges, inpatient discharges per year. All right, I'm trying to get it to advance. 
So I want to start you off with a little story uh, about a department that came to us in late 2013 into 2014. And then as I move through the PowerPoint, uh, the presentation, share with you how we help them as well. So it starts with information systems. In 2013, 2012 into 13, they realized with the network growing that simply adding resources and throwing more resources at the work they were doing wasn't going to create um, the end outcome that they desired. So as they realized they needed to change, create a better way, they really looked to their strategy and saying, what do we want to be and how do we want to change? And one of the major or key anchors that they looked at was how they could deploy lean across their organization. Uh, it's about 250 employees within their, with our information systems department. And so in looking at that, they partnered with our team, Process Excellence, to say, hey, how could we do this? How could we approach it? How can we really change the way in which we provide value back to the Kettering Health Network? So as we partnered with them and looked across the broad spectrum of their journey, the first piece was just sharing the vision that their IS senior leadership had, as well as making sure that staff and leaders really felt like they had uh, the right knowledge and the right insights to what Lean was about. So we started with training, our, training their leaders. We led a four-hour four session training all their management and above, as well as an hour and a half with staff, just getting them oriented with basic concepts. Because again, I think you all realize anytime a new initiative or a new approach or strategy is coming out, you know, that fear of the unknown and not knowing what it is uh, can really drive resistance to change. That was the key to, their, to starting their journey. And then next was their roadmap. So they knew the reality they were in, uh, at least they thought they did, and they knew where they wanted to go from a high level. So we started out with a value stream analysis, truly mapping out the services they provide, uh, the work that they do, looking at the various service lines within the work that they provide, our organization, and creating that future state. And in creating the future state, we identified about an 18-month roadmap, uh, which, which entailed about six or seven rapid improvement events that they would lead over the course of that time frame to really challenge paradigms of how they provide value, how they provide service. Along the way, as we worked on the rapid improvement events, quickly realizing the compounding effect of working on those events, and each of the events were three to five days in length, depending on the scope, and having knowledge and insight to all the work they were doing, the type of work they were doing, who was owning what. I think we all realize you can load a lot of that in Excel or have it where you need it, but to have a true platform where you can track and trend and see what's going on, see who owns what, have constant reminder became an opportunity not just for them but also for us uh, as an organization. And you hear me talk more about that for our larger journey. But then also as we pulled in teams to the rapid improvement events, knowing that there's another 200 individuals who have ideas as well, knowing that we didn't have a great mechanism or again platform to engage those staff became a need as well. And so that on the far right is really where we partnered with Kinexus. And this was one of the first areas where we truly tried to launch into more of their Kaizen model. So it wasn't just the VSA RIE model, but also that, that hybrid of Kaizen where we can get daily problem solving. So to, today, from an IF perspective, kind of fast forward about a year and a half, they've made it through all of the rapid improvement events. Uh, they really have moved to the point where they've developed what they call their foundational practices, and one of them is truly driving Kaizen into their culture. Uh, we've got close to, I think, eight to ten leaders, I should say, uh, across their division that can truly drive rapid improvement events on their own, so creating that sustainable culture, not just from a daily problem solving, but also from leaders being able to lead rapid improvements themselves. They literally, like I said, have addressed all aspects of the services they provide. By no means are they 
at the end because we all know continuous improvement is a journey, never ending. Uh, but from the time tickets come in to the time uh, they have resolved fix and breaks, requests, problems, and projects. Uh, and another piece too, you know, if you look on there on the right, they had 325 submitted opportunities, 234 submitted. That is in totality their projects as well as Kaizen. When you just look at daily problem solving, they're averaging about an idea per person per year uh, across their division. So again, it's really starting to get into not just about the project, but how can we move beyond the project to make it part of how they drive change. So jumping back to now process excellence and the purpose we serve, and this is also in alignment with our division. So we report up through the information technology and analytics division, but it's to improve people, process, and technology in that order. I think we can all relate that many organizations, many leaders think technology can solve their problems, but then we run the risk that if we feel technology will make it better, many times we're just speeding up the defects or making things more efficient than they already were. So we realize that we have to start with our people. That really is the foundation of the work we do and the value we provide. And we have to ensure that our people have the right skills, the right training, and really that they're in the right position. And the next is the process. So truly looking at our processes, standardizing the work that we do, increasing the value that's being provided so we can drive high value in those services. So again, that's a, really the foundation purpose of why our team exists and the work we're trying to do across Kettering. From an internal view for how we <clears throat> track our success and the work that, that we do, we have a balanced approach to that. So at the bottom, and some of these are organizational goals as well, is our employee engagement index. So that's some of the most, you know, if you have an employee opinion survey, but the one on the right, spend the training budget. We also realize internally that if we aren't continuing developing our people uh, within the process excellence team to challenge them and their thinking and what is in the industry and how to drive change, then we aren't going to be able to effectively challenge the organization to grow as well. So that's a big part of our foundation. Customer experience on the left. So again, we want to rate and see the net promoter score. That's the NPS of how are our internal customers viewing the work we're doing? Uh, are, we, are we building lasting relationships? Are they liking the work that we do? across projects, training, and also our overall value net promoter score. On the top, quality processes, so with project quality, that's really looking at are we following our own standards? Are we delivering quality work and the work that we do and not skipping steps? As well as what types of impacts are we achieving outside of just finance? Because you'll hear me talk about that we truly have to focus on the right things, uh, meaning the process and the quality we do, and that way finance will follow. And then the last is financial stewardship, and that's our return on investment. Uh, so as any good uh, finance person would ask is how much money you're saving the organization. And so I'll, I'll speak to that as well throughout today's, today's webinar. In addition to this, th one of the other metrics that we do look at is, and you'll hear me speak about this too, is the, the individuals that we train. So we want to know what is the number of people we've trained, uh, both formal training and also within a project. And also all of our training is project-based and that we want to understand our leaders and our those that attend truly applying what they've learned and so we track that as well. So our journey, like I had mentioned, it's it started in 2010, so we've about five years in. Actually it was June of 2010 and it really started with a team of one. I don't know how many of, of those of you listening in feel the same way or started the same way, but a lot of times it starts with that team of one. Uh, sometimes maybe not. So it started and when it first started, uh, again, it was me that had joined the, the system and it was only at two of the seven hospitals. So that at the time there wasn't 
great organizational adoption across the whole network to drive it. So again, they really wanted to bring it into two of their hospitals and see what could be achieved. So by 2012, uh, we definitely were seeing and seeing results from the work we were doing. Definitely getting some traction. We expanded to a team of three, counting myself. And then by mid 2012, that's when we really started to see operational and financial success from the work that we were doing across multiple areas of both of the hospitals. So again, it started to get uh, started to get. Uh, visibility to our network leadership, again, our executives across the entire network. And in 2013, that's when the decision was made to expand the services we provide to the entire network. At that time, they also had improved an additional five resources to be hired. And knowing, again, I don't know if this is a challenge that many of you face, but it, it's, it can be difficult to find available available individuals or even individuals who meet the, the, the skills and the, the talents that you desire. So along that way too, I mentioned with the information systems uh, journey and that story, our partnership with Kinexus was in late 2013, just to kind of give you a, a note of when Kinexus partnership started. And 2014, that's when our, our year-long process to hire the team was completed. I, I felt like I needed to note that because again, the challenges we faced at finding good talent, the right talent that fit organizational, not just from a skill set, but also culturally was very important to us. So it took nearly a year, just about a year, to find the five individuals uh, to fill those open positions. And then as we look to the future and what we're working on now is how can we truly work to integrate analytics, strategy, and process improvement? And how can we bring the three of those together to drive alignment so that we're truly working on the right things at the right time and that we have an analytics platform so we can measure our success? So then the reality sinks in, support all of Kettering Health Network. When that green light was given in early 2013, um, you know, that reality sank in that we've got to support seven hospitals. You know, at the time we didn't even have the five people hired. And so we knew that we had a challenge ahead of us. And the first was network awareness. And I should say the lack of, the lack of network awareness. So we definitely have been working at the two hospitals. We had five other hospitals, the freestanding ERs, our physician and our employed physician model. So definitely more not knowing what we were doing than what we were doing. And so that challenge of how are we going to overcome that was a big piece. Next was no central or standard structure uh, to really track what we're doing. Uh, like many of you maybe on the webinar as well, you, you may have idea boards. So in the top right, uh, that picture is an example of one of the idea boards that we had in place at the Kettering Medical Center. And at the time when we went to the network model, we had about 30 boards in place, paper-based boards, uh, tracking the idea in progress completed. Uh, also on that board on the right-hand side is where we were tracking a project we were working on at the time. But we knew that that was a, a major challenge we had to overcome. Because again, as you shift across the resources, you know, having been at the hospital, you know, the reality is, reality is the board isn't going to fix it. It's culture. You guys all know that. And we had certain departments that got it. Their leader was on board. Staff understood it. It was working well. And we had other areas that if we didn't go to the Gimba, do the rounds and really look at what they were doing, the board may not sustain. So we, again, we knew that would be a challenge. And again, along with that, that sustainable method of how are we really going to engage in power frontline staff, you know, to go from two hospitals to seven, uh, again, became definitely an area of opportunity. As I mentioned before, you know, really finding good talent and getting the right talent in here. The next one, another big one was just the data management and governance. So we knew, I mean, the system had recently in 2011 moved to a system-wide EHR and we knew we had some data coming out of it, data that was definitely relevant, but then we also, that governance side of saying and understanding 
do all the hospitals truly look at data the same way? Do they track and turn it the same way? Do they measure it the same way? It was definitely something we had to keep in mind. And then no standard model to track the actions required. Again, we had Excel spreadsheets. We had processes in place. But again, it was somewhat laborious at times for those leading projects. Uh, again, there wasn't great transparency. And sometimes some of that accountability would fall through the cracks. So overcoming some of those challenges, and many of these bullets I'll speak to in detail through the coming slides. So leadership training and awareness. So again, through training um, and creating that awareness, that was a big way. And again, I'll talk to that in greater detail. Really that partnership with Kinexus as a platform, not just a technology. So again, we really view Kinexus as a way in which we can truly track and trend and bring transparency to all the work that we do. Um, and we look beyond some of the ways in which they call events, events, and projects, projects. And I'll speak to that here in a minute. But again, having that standard structure for how we track improvement was huge for us. Ability to move beyond the project. So again, having that structure that leave behind as we train individuals, as we create that Kaizen model and how they can keep the accountability and transparency in place was a big piece. A rigorous six-step interview process. So as we looked internally at our process across the network of how we hire doing behavior-based interviews, we wanted to evolve that to really make sure we knew what we were getting so we went through a six-step process by which we had our traditional phone interviews, but we also did project presentations. We did a skill-based skill panel interview. We also did case studies where it put individuals on the spot where they had limited time to digest a lot of information. And it really challenges their approach. Uh, so it's not really necessarily right or wrong, but really challenges their way of thinking and how they think through problems. And then also did a behavior-based uh, panel interview really to see are they a good culture fit for organization. And then lastly, and I'll speak to this as well, is the integration of process excellence and business intelligence or analytics. Again, I'll share with you here in the coming slides of what we're doing there as well. So getting into a system-wide approach, so I wanted to share the three major elements or services that our team provides across the Kettering Health Network. The first on the left, again, is starting with our people. So it's really getting into training and development. So we realize that our team right now is a team of, of eight. We can't continually grow to some massive team that can handle everything. There's more demand coming in than we can handle. And if we're going to organizationally change culture, leaders have to understand the management concepts, understand the tools, and know how to apply them. So within that service, we have training that we provide, novice training, advanced training, and what we call our CPAL program, which is our Certified Process Excellence Leader Program. Again, on the next slide, I'll speak to that in greater detail of what those look like. Process improvement, so that's kind of our bread and butter. That's really the way in which we approach projects using lean methodology. So it's driving process improvement across the organization, whether it's affecting all seven hospitals or a single department at a hospital. We also get into a lot of the operational data analysis and operational assessments for our organization. We're getting into simulation where we can simulate future state processes as well as within facility design utilizing software so we can mock up 3D models to really look at patient movement, do scenario plays that if we were to have two providers versus one provider or rearrange the physical space, what type of impact does that have to eliminating some of that, some of the waste uh, that our staff are experiencing, whether it's transportation or delays to our patient, patients. So that allows us to drive improvement there. And then the last on the right is change implementation. So that really is getting into project management and strategy deployment. We have many leaders who, as they look at their key strategies for the upcoming years and they look at some of those key initiatives, many times they need assistance in how do they organize the planning behind it, how do they execute properly, 
and truly get hit the milestones and dates in which they set out. So our team is getting much more involved in many of the key strategies, whether it's opening up a new facility or implementing new strategic processes that they want to put in place, or so to speak, is helping them manage those services from a project management standpoint. So as we get into developing our people, again, a huge piece of what we're trying to do and to drive culture, I mentioned the three levels of our training, novice training, advanced, and CPEL. So the novice training is very much that. It's building that foundational level of what is lean, getting into some of the key tools, definitely introducing that it's more than just the tools, that it, it is a management model, and also orienting them to just, just some of the basic definitions. We get a little bit into change management, but again, that comes later. And all of our training, we wanted to move beyond just, hey, come to a class for two hours or four hours and hear about this great concept and then go back to your area. And we wanted to challenge at every stage leaders to go back and apply what they've learned. So at the novice training level, the basic takeaway that they have, and we give them eight weeks to do it, or six weeks, I should say, to do this, is they have to conduct a waste walk, go to the Gemba, really observe and take in what they're seeing and identify a key challenge or key opportunity that's going on within their area. Once they've done that, they utilize Kinexus to log the opportunity for improvement, and then they have six weeks to drive improvement using the tool sets that we've identified. And again, we look at uh, 5S, visual management, standard work, and we also talk about process mapping because they've got to understand how to map out key processes. Next is our advanced training. Uh, again, there's full bullet, four bullets there that you all can, can read through, but mainly what we're teaching there is our problem-solving approach. We use an A3 PDCA-type approach. And again, that's a one-day class. Uh, and going back, I apologize, the novice class is a four-hour class. And so the advanced class is one, is one, is one day, it's eight hours. Uh, again, that's teaching leaders the A3 problem-solving approach. And really from there, that's what they're doing. They've got 12 weeks uh, to identify their problem. And really, we want them to understand the problem before they come to class. We partner with them along the way as their mentor, their coach, helping guide them through that. We expect them to form a small team. And again, we load their A3 into Kinexus as an attachment so that we can track and trend what they're working on and also provide feedback uh, more real time and it's not just about the time that we meet. And then lastly is our CPEL program, Certified Process Excellence Leader Program. So that actually is an 18-week program where we have seven courses that are spread out during that time frame. And we're really starting with helping leaders understand the cultural side of things and understanding what really needs to be in place culturally before they just jump into a project. Uh, we also teach leaders how to really understand data and meaningful data and how to analyze data so they really know what they're getting into from that standpoint. And then by the third or fourth session, then they get into how do you lead a project. And we're teaching them the value stream analysis RAE approach. So then during that, during that 18 weeks, we are guiding and mentoring leaders to lead their own larger-scale project with value stream analysis and rapid improvement events. Now, with each one of these, novice to advance to CPEL, if they go to novice, they're not required to do a project or to do that waste walk, but you can't advance to the next level unless you actually um, conduct and do a project and demonstrate your competency in, the, in some of those key tools. Some examples of the type of projects that our CPEL produces CPEL participants are doing. Uh, last year was our first year to launch this level of our training, and then again, we're continuing into this year. This is just a sample of five, and I'm, I'm just going to mention them. So we had one project that looked at our flash sterilization rates. 
Um, and originally the goal was to get it down to 5%, which is typically an in industry standard. Uh, they were able at this OR to reduce it altogether. So now it becomes an exception, you know, if they need to use it. But they've run, I believe, the last three months at 0%. We had a 50% reduction with our orthopedic patients who are receiving total, total hips and total knees. Uh, we reduced the time in pre-admission testing by 50%. Uh, again, you can look, we improved our, our pain management, Prescani scores at one of our facilities by really looking at the process of how we get our medications to our patients and set the right expectations to our patients. As we looked at with our information systems and our physician network as we were expanding, uh, we had a 50% decrease in hardware issues and, and it also resulted in zero build issues as we were doing our extraction training. And then lastly, as we look at truly navigating and doing care coordination, in our emergency room, one of our hospitals is improving that follow-up with e-visits, uh, and which then resulted in follow-up charges, uh, both increasing total follow-up charges uh, and e-visits. <clears throat> so all of this said was staff trained. So the blue bar is formal training. The red stack is people that have been trained in projects. So since 2010, really starting in 2011, we've trained nearly 2,500 leaders. Again, about a thousand, just under a thousand, are leaders that have gone through our formal training that I had mentioned, novice, advanced, and CPEL. And across this, you know, something else, like, like I mentioned, we don't require leaders to do the follow-up except for advanced and CPEL. So through novice, we typically see about a 55 to 65 percent of leaders follow through and do the waste walk and do the OI. And then once we get to advanced and CPEL, everyone that goes through there does a does a project. Uh, all reality, the CPEL program, some leaders sign up for it and realize they're in over their head. Uh, so we constantly are trying to improve that process and how we can ensure leaders truly understand what they're getting into and can do this. Uh, we, right now we have an application process and they have to have a VP sponsor and project selected prior to attending. Uh, again, that doesn't really prepare us until we get them sometimes. And so we do have some fall through with that, fallout with that as well. So project governance, a big piece, you know, there are more projects coming in than we can handle. Like I said, that's probably another area that all of you uh, can feel that pain, that there's more on the plate than you can get through with your current capacity. So all of our projects come through a standardized business case where we truly want to understand what at a basic level is the opportunity. That business case is signed off by a VP sponsor to help us understand it, that it's truly a need. Once we get the business case, there's really three areas that we look at. The first is what we call a strategic alignment score. And so that was actually put together by an executive director in our information systems department division that really wanted to drive improved awareness of how we are prioritizing capital needs. And so he spent time meeting with literally over 100 leaders looking at our strategic plan, looking at key factors across that strategic plan and driving a weighted model to score out projects. So we utilize that approach to give it an initial score so we can create an initial priority list. A second area is we look at the, just the overall organizational need and honestly, to, for lack of better ways of saying, it's kind of that gut check because you've got that initial list, you can see the priorities, but you really got to look and say, we have to look and say, does this really align to our strategies? Uh, we have something, uh, a key strategy across the network that we call one best practice. So again, how can we create that standardization across the entire system? So we have to also say how does that fit into one best practice. And then lastly, we have a change readiness assessment that we do with all of our projects where we're looking at their vision and business case, we're looking at their engagement, we're looking at their leadership, 
We're looking at their implementation effectiveness, and we're looking at sustainability. And so we have a series of questions under each one of those areas that we go through to assess, are they really ready for this? Are they really capable of adapting and, and evolving to the next level? Because I think you know and we all know, you know, everyone knows that you have to have the right leader in place that's willing to change, and then you've got to really understand the frontline staff and kind of where they're at and what they've been through. And so it's very much kind of a yes-no question set that we go through, and it's just flagging do they have key areas of, uh, that we need to have addressed prior to doing a project. And so we give that feedback to them if they are not ready, and then when they are ready, then we re-engage. So this an eye chart. As Mark said, the webinar will be made on, made available afterwards if you want to look at it in greater detail. And if anybody would like a copy of this, I'm happy to send you a larger uh, PDF copy of this. I, I believe my email is available at the end of this that you can email me from. So like anything else, we have to have our own standards. So this is our approach for projects, our standard approach for projects from again on the far left, the business case through initiation all the way to closing out the project. And so as we look at this, we also have a standard checklist that our project managers use that helps to ensure and remind them of key steps along the way and key approvals that are required. So you can also see there's little stop signs throughout the way. That's our kind of our checks and balances of do we have the alignment? Do we have the sign off? Do we do leaders, executives understand the plan we're, we're about to roll into? And then have we truly achieved the deliverables we set out to do? And then as far as our process improvement approach within execution, I've spoken to this a little bit. The much, much of what we use is very much the value stream analysis rapid improvement event approach. Uh, in all reality, some areas we work with can't always do three-day, one-day, five-day events. So we definitely are flexible and adaptable in that regard. Many times what we'll do is it'll be more of a task force that meets weekly to every other week depending on how much work we need, need to do and it might be done in, in multi-hour sessions. Uh, you know, some of our teams don't have the luxury of freeing up the team. You know, if we take them off the front line, that is the team and the work stops. So we have to balance that. It's a little different when we can get into areas that's got 24-7 where we can pull and backfill certain resources. <clears throat> like I said, yeah, many of our, many of the wrapper firms we do range in one to four days and some of our projects as well, you know, the projects I'm describing now are typically three to six months in duration depending on what we're doing with anywhere from three to five rapid improvement events but we also have smaller projects that we're in and out. It's just a Kaizen event where we go in and one, you know, one to three days we're out or it could be smaller than that. So I mentioned this, aligning analytics to drive action. So early last year, one of the big pieces we said is when we look at our strategy and we look at the work we're doing, we need to do a better job of bringing together and integrating process improvement strategy and analytics. And so within our business intelligence platform and the governance we've created, it starts with our strategy in the top left. We have a BI governance team. We have a core team and an executive team that evaluates the data analytics needs within our strategy and prioritizes those. From there, we then initiate and have a, and deliver the data from a project management standpoint, which then yields our analytics and business intelligence. And at the center, that is process excellence because we realize the need that to simply just create reports and create more data and just have it live on a website or live on a wall without having true action that drives meaningful value back to our organization and to our patients um, is not worthwhile. I think you can all agree with that. So that's a big piece that we launched last year and into this year that as we launch new analytics across our organization, each initiative 
again, links back to our strategy and also has a associated process excellence initiative to go along with it. Sorry about that. So another story that I'm going to talk about are results. So a major initiative we're working on this year that we've been working on since the start of the year is length of stay. So again, this is a number one initiative operationally across the Kettering Health Network affecting all seven facilities and we've got 50 plus units. Our team was pulled into this mid-late 2014 to really look at it from a network perspective. Uh, our overall goal is to reduce our actual length of stay down to the geometric length of stay as provided by CMS. Uh, and like I said, seven hospitals, 50 units, we really had quite a, a large effort in front of us of how are we going to organize all the teams, how are we going to track it all. And so this is one of our first analytics platforms that launched out last year for this year was Length of Stay, which is the bottom right picture. That's just a snapshot from the platform where we can track every day length of stay, what it looks like, how we're trending, what the gap is between our actual and geometric. And so then on the left, Kinexus then became our platform for how do we organize all of this? How do we keep everyone updated? keep everyone apprised of what we're working on. So all said and done, we've got about 12 units, 10 units that we're specifically working in, uh, doing process improvement. We, we also are looking to launch care coordination across all of our hospitals to improving that model for how we're coordinating care. And so we've loaded the overall project as well as all the associated events into one place. We're able to upload all of our, all of our leaders, all of our project teams into one place. And again, it helps create that accountability, that transparency and ownership of what are we working on at any, any given time and it's not just waiting for that meeting to come up to say, hey, how are we progressing? Uh, leaders are being pushed communications of what's changing, they're being pushed communications of what's running past due and then they can directly follow up with the associated individual again from that accountability standpoint. So again, this has been going on the year to date, so about five months um, and again using these two models, using the approach that I've, that I've just described with process improvement training, as well as our approach, we've achieved about a 34% reduction in the overall gap between actual and geometric length of stay, resulting in about a million dollars in savings uh, in 2015. Again, I can't speak to the simplicity of having the platform to help drive the collaboration, to help individuals stay engaged, uh, to also help generate ideas that aren't just ideas coming up in events, so it, it gives those individuals access to that. It's just been a tremendous piece from having that platform. So impact in 2014, so this is actually a snapshot out of Kinexus. We're also using Kinexus to track the savings, uh, both cost savings, revenue, and hours saved that we're creating. So you can see, uh, so year to date we've had over 700 ideas generated, um, or OIs in the system, 76, roughly 76% 76 of those have resulted in a change. We've seen about one point, we saw 1.2 million, just over 1.2 million dollars in cost savings, just under 400,000 in revenue, and then we had just over a million dollars an hour saved. So freeing up time so that our resources can provide more value back to the organization. So like I mentioned, we had 700 OIs generated with about 500 of them completed in 2014. So again, there's still ones that are out there that have yet to be worked on. And then when you also look at that, I'd mentioned, you know, we use Kinexus is that platform to track our training projects. We also track our uh, projects that we lead as well as daily, ki daily Kaizen. And so about a third of those are actually Kaizen, so daily problem solving that staff are leading out. 
Something else is just our impact year over year. So I, I did put a note down there that each of the years, as you look at this, as it accumulates, is the, it's the cumulative as we go from 2011 to 2012 to 2013, but this chart does not carry over annualized or continue, continuous savings from 2011 into 2012, so we're just trying to look at a year-by-year year by year basis. So year-to-date, uh, since inception, we're just shy of five, $5 million in total savings. Uh, the diamond shapes, as you move through there, are the ROI, so that works on the right side of the graph. So in year 2011, we were just over a 2 to 1 return. Uh, 2012, nearly a 5 to 1 return. Uh, you can see there in 2013, we dropped below 1. That was the only time since we have started that we were below 1. Much of that had to do with our onboarding of new resources and the time to ramp up them and get them acclimated with our process and get them deployed doing projects. And then again, you can see we're back on track with maintaining about a 2 to 1 ROI year, year to year across, our, across the projects and the various um, improvement that we're making. So lessons learned. So starting the journey. So organizational alignment. Uh, you know the relationships and partnerships. You know we all know that not everyone's going to buy into the work that's being done. Lean management as the approach to be used. And so understanding who your key leaders are that can help guide you and mentor you and shepherd you as you drive those changes. Also, how are you linking yourself to strategy? Uh, again, if you're just kind of out wavering in the wind and hoping that the projects will get traction operationally early on will be great. Uh, everyone will like the results, but as strategy changes, if it doesn't link to that strategy and change with it, many times process improvement departments like ours will then get left behind. Something else is agreed upon metrics and, of success and the runway length. Uh, just truly understanding how is the organization measuring your success? Uh, is it ROI? Is it people that you're training? Um, you know, really what are you looking at? And then runway length is a big piece for me that I know when I joined the network is how long are they looking? Do they truly see this as a journey? Are they expecting you to get there in a year? Uh, and so really understanding that is a key piece. Governance of project selection is a big one. Again, understanding what that is. Uh, as far as how you're going to prioritize your projects and understand which ones you're going to select. Organizational data management, I think we all know if we can't measure it, we can't improve it. So that's a big piece of just starting the journey before going into any project, understanding where your data is at, how to manage it, and how to present it is a big, is a big lesson learned. Uh, key project roles defined. So again, in, in our organization, we always have a VP sponsor, a physician champion, we have a project leader, we have us as the facilitator, and then we have the project team, and then the rest of the organization. So just knowing each of those roles, having them clearly defined of what the expectations are, uh, that's, that's a pretty quick win that sets expectations up front. Your process improvement approach, again, um, you can't really view the cookie cutter approach. Just because it worked in another organization doesn't mean it's going to work in yours. So you really have to experiment, utilize PDCA, and understand what your approach will be and what will work for you. Again, like I had mentioned, we have very much kind of a hybrid model of how we approach our projects. Have that training model. Again, the, I, I don't know of many organizations that their team keeps growing, growing, and growing. So knowing how you're going to train and develop other leaders in the organization to kind of live and breathe that way of thinking. And then lastly, and I hit on earlier, is just hire the right people. I uh, can't say that enough, and that's in any, any department, any organization. Just have a great way or a good way of hiring the right people, knowing you're getting the best fit for your, your department.
So like I mentioned before, lasting success, some of these carry over. So be an integral part of your strategic direction. So again, being, being integrated into your strategy planning and determining and projecting and forecasting to understand what are the key areas of strategic need that your process improvement department needs to be involved in to help continue to drive success and demonstrate the value. Resources matching commitment and demand, that's always a fine balance of how do you do that and understanding that, truly understand what your facilitators, whether you call them internal consultants or project managers, really understand what their capabilities are and capacities are so that you can understand what you can handle at any given time. Having that clear understanding of data and goals, again, what's your data infrastructure, that, that will really never end. Uh, viewing this as a management philosophy, again, if it's just viewed as a set of tools, tools come and go. They're new, new, the latest and greatest can always come out, and so how can you begin to, to weave this into more of a management model by which leaders drive change and organizationally you can move to that culture of Kaizen. President-driven, so it's got to start at the top. Again, if I fully believe that the president doesn't believe in it, many leaders below that individual emulate what they see and, and drive at what they talk about. So it has to start at the top from a strategy and a need uh, to, to keep driving that lasting success of your department. Everyone expected to participate, That just that expectation that we're all in this together, it's all for the better. Um, you know, We don't want any active resistors, so to speak. We definitely will get people who resist, but we want to stay away from those that actively resist. It's got to stay focused on the patient. Uh, truly, and I said this earlier, if we focus on the right things, ROI will follow. If we focus on our patient at the center of that bullseye, it really starts to drive improvement for our physicians and caregivers and outward to the administrative areas. And then lastly, that use of technology should come in last to truly better enable the improvement. So whether that's a platform like Kinexus or it's the project portfolio management tool, whatever the case may be, really look at technology as, as a way to better enable your improvement as you journey into the, the coming years. Okay. Well, Jason, thank you so much for the presentation today, for sharing uh, the lessons from the Kettering Health Network journey and from your own work. We've had a lot of questions come in and I uh, would invite people to uh, continue submitting those. While the questions are coming in, I do want to remind you of a few things. For one, if you want to check out any of the past webinars that we've done, they are available for you in our webinar library at kinexus.com slash webinars. We'd also invite you to read and subscribe to our blog, which you can find at blog.kinexus.com. There's something interesting on there just about every day. And we have two upcoming webinars. One on June 30th is going to be hosted by our CEO and co-founder, Dr. Greg Jacobson. It's titled Eliminating Bottlenecks with Kinexus. And then I'm going to be back on uh, July 18th doing a webinar together with Joe Schwartz. Joe is my co-author from the Healthcare Kaizen books. Um, he's from a health system in Indianapolis. We're going to do a webinar called How to Be an Influential Kaizen Coach. Um, so if you want to sign up for either of those or both of those, go to kinexus.com webinars. All right, um, Jason, uh, this question here says, you, you mentioned one idea per person per year. Um, companies and in other industries at, at best sometimes do 30 to 50 a year. Do you think a number like that is possible in a health system? If so, what needs to be done uh, to get to those types of levels? I mean, from just personally from where I'm coming from and when you're pushing 30 to 50 a year, 
I think it's artificial. I think you get to the point where people are trying to make up ideas. Um, and so I would much rather have truly tested and have people in the moment have problems and generate those ideas and then be more quality based, like quality, not volume. Um, so could an organization get to 30 to 50? You probably could. My worry would be is how much of it's junk in, garbage mm -hmm. in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. And so you really, I mean, two to three per year, I mean, you start thinking about the number of people that you have. I mean, at 30 to 50 per employee, you get so much, so many ideas being generated that you organizationally couldn't respond fast enough, which my worry would then be that it would defeat the whole purpose and people would become... Um, almost disengaged because they feel like they're generating all these ideas and you're not doing anything with them. Uh, so I don't want to say no, but I would highly recommend not aiming for something that high. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I mean, I think I think it's possible, but not if you're hitting the number just for the sake of the number. It really needs to be about the improvement and the participation, I, I think, needs to happen uh, naturally. You know, and I think it, yeah. it probably depends on how big. I think if you're doing 30 to 50 improvements per year, they're probably relatively small improvements. Yeah. All right, here's a, a question. Um, do you struggle with the idea that problems are jewels? If so, how did you get people to see problems differently? I don't, uh, it, it varies across organization uh, as far as the different cultures. Um, you know, definitely I view problems as jewels. I think we need to look at it that way. And a lot of times, I mean, if you just think of just some of the basic improvement, I mean, if, if you're in an organization that lives on the accolades and, hey, we're top 100 this and we're top that, you've got to get them to see the opportunity they're missing. You've got to help create a burning platform, whether that's through your data, whether that's through finding a, a VP executive sponsor that can help guide and help you manage some of the politics of it, to be quite honest. Um, as you get down to the front lines, to me, it becomes easier because you have, if you can connect it to the greater purpose, I mean, we, we got into healthcare to help people, to save lives. And so if you can connect it to their greater calling of why they're here and what purpose they're trying to serve and connect the problem and what's in their way for them providing greater value back to the patient and bring that emotional touch to it, but also make it, you know, make sense in their head, so to speak, sensible to the head. Um, I think that's when you start to get connections at the front lines. And definitely, like I said, at the executive level, sometimes that can be, depending on your culture, can be harder to navigate. Okay. Um, thanks, Jason. Let's see. Oh, there's so many questions here. Um, how, did, how did you deal with um, resistance that came from leaders who hadn't completely bought into the strategy that you developed? Well, I think we need more time for that one. No. Um, so a lot of it, it's one is understanding why are they resisting? Um, do they think it's a waste of time? Um, do they just not believe in it? Um, is it a past experience they had? Uh, do they think it's too finance driven and they just think you're trying to cut costs and, and you're not there for the right reasons? So a lot of times those leaders that didn't agree, like I said, I. I can't think of any, especially at the executive level, any leaders that were like actively disruptive in their um, view of our success or what we were doing, but we definitely had some that were kind of on the fence. And I think a lot of it comes through you showing them there can be a better way, that showing, you know, as you drive into the process and drive improvement and drive change, that showing them that you're not there or your department isn't there just to 
to cut costs and slash people, that you're truly there for the same reasons they are. And, and so some of that comes over time, at least that's been my experience. Uh, there will be some leaders, though, that you will never change. I, I think that's, we're all wired in a certain way. Uh, and a lot of times then it's just navigating that relationship and just keeping apprised of where they're at, because you definitely don't want them to be a sabotage. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if it gets to that level, then you've got to question, do other leaders see that and do they really belong in an organization? I mean, it goes down a different path there. So a lot of it, I would say, just to summarize, is understanding where they're coming from, why do they feel the way they do, potentially see where there can be a partnership, but also show them the success through your results of driving that change. Okay, thanks. Um, so another question here. Hospitals have a tendency to rely on uh, hierarchical management. Did you run into this as a roadblock? If so, what did you do? What do you suggest? So a lot of that starts with the expectations you set up front. Um, and when we do our cultural readiness assessment, that's what we're looking for is what's really going on here? What, what is the, how is the leader acting? How do they treat their employees? Are they pushing improvement down on the employees, so we're, we're trying to assess it from that regard. But again, just uh, setting that expectation up front, helping them understand, even from an educational standpoint, the, the vision and the culture you're trying to create. Uh, during the project, when you create some of those standard roles within the project, it starts to create some of the culture too, because the VP leaders and the physician sponsors and project leaders start to understand what their role is and what their role is not. Um, and also, every rapid improvement event that we do, we set the expectation that there's a report out at the end, and key VPs are invited, especially the sponsor, and the team presents out the work that they've done, and we are actually looking for a green light from leadership. Um, and it's not so much of a yes, no, uh, per se, but we're telling them this is where we're headed. This is where we're going. Do you see any major issues or concerns? And they can voice their concerns, and we can redirect. But we've never had an event where a leader's come in and said, no, you're not doing that. And so we set that expectation early and up, up front and remind them often of their role. Okay, thanks. There's a related question. You know, we're talking about the role of senior leaders. Um, somebody says, um, tell us more about what you mean by president-driven. Are there certain behaviors that you would uh, want to see? So it can vary. I mean, we've got... So at Kettering, you know, we've got our president of the whole network, and then we also have presidents of our campuses. So, I mean, one is I think we all, if the president is not talking about it, if the president doesn't see the value in it, if the president is conne isn't connecting when there's opportunities, and this could be executive VPs really at the top, if they're not connecting what the management model that Lean can bring to the opportunities before them, and sharing that and kind of driving that type of leadership down even with their staff, or if they're not emulating cer certain tool sets, you know, if they're not visiting the Gemba and actually doing those rounds and seeing what's going on where the work is done. Um, if VPs aren't taking time at least, let's say, once a year, and we're not quite here, so don't get me wrong, where VPs spend time in rapid improvement events. So again, to me, it's are they truly emulating some of those core kind of lean leadership aspects that you're looking for and how they drive and how they engage and how they empower staff. Because if they aren't changing, then those below them don't change and it doesn't cascade down. Um, you end up with what I call kind of the mound approach where you're starting in the middle and you're pushing it down to staff trying to drive empowerment, but then as it floats back up above you, you get resistance because they're trying to drive, they're trying to drive the actions that they want to see versus saying, 
hey, here's the approach and here's the end of where we want to get, and you guys come up with the ideas to get there. Um, so again, I, I don't know if that fully answers your question because it's so dependent on, in my opinion, the organization and really what you want to expect from them. Um, so it can be a multitude, but you've, you've got to start small with at least them seeing the value in it, them talking about it, them bringing it up, them understanding key concepts so they can have meaningful dialogue with the leaders below them. Yeah, you know, and I think when you say, well, you know, you're not there yet as an organization, that's that's fine and that's understandable. I mean, this uh, this takes time, and you know, I think organizations, you know, yeah. it's, it's easier to sort of, you know define what sort of behaviors that you're going to try to practice, and it's harder to practice that consistently. Um, you know, people get under stress, they fall back on uh, you know old behavior, they don't react the way that they you know maybe said they want to in the future and i think you know that that's part of the learning and, and the adjustment process so, yeah um let's see here's a, a question about uh bu regarding building capacity what percentage of an organization indicates success in terms of in other words uh, the percentage trained the percentage leading projects etc you know I, I that's honestly i don't I don't know if you're. I don't know if that question is looking more so for our organization. I, I'll be honest. I don't have any benchmarks that says what percent of an organization should be trained, uh, what percent of an organization should be able to lead their own projects. I don't. I don't have any insights to industry benchmarks per se. So I'm not sure I can answer that one. Uh, and I'm not. I'm not sure either. I mean, I think it depends on the type of training. I mean, I think generally, I kind of think of a a triangle or a pyramid structure where you can train everybody in the organization on how to do, uh, you know, daily continuous improvement and small Kaizen. Yeah. You know, you might give everyone yeah. sort of, a, you know, a basic um, level um, training around PDSA or maybe even eventually throw in the eight, eight types of waste or other things that are, that are useful. Mm -hmm. Then there's, I think a middle level uh, where, um, you're going to give them more in-depth training, whether it's a threes or or six sigma type approaches, you know, um, to 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 do more complex projects that are maybe done in a little bit more rigorous way. And and I bet you know beyond that, there's yeah. a, a smaller number that you would train to actually facilitate full-blown rapid improvement events. Yeah, yeah, you definitely would have smaller percentages. And you know, Mark, adding on to what you said too, and something we learned early on, and this is when I was just at Kettering and Sycamore. Is we did, uh, we had a lean overview class, which is similar to our novice class, and we trained most of the leaders. I mean, there were 100 plus leaders that we trained at that hospital. And what we found is it was at the time, I think when I did that, it was me, and I had just hired my second person. And it created this huge wave of need and demand, more than we could handle. Mm -hmm. um, and then people got kind of discouraged that, oh, hey, I, I, sent, J I sent Jason's team my need, and they can't get to it. So the other thing would think you want to think about is at what rate do you move up the triangle that Mark talked about? That if you move too fast culturally, you may not be ready. So you definitely want to think about how quickly do you train, and with that training, what the, what is the expectation? Um, because depending on your team size and where your leadership team is, are you ready to move that fast? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you have to be careful to not overreach or overdrive your headlights, if you will, where if you're training people or even if you're just asking them, to participate in, in improvement, you better be ready um, to respond. Yeah. You know, that's what I, what I hear you saying, Absolutely. and, and I, I would um, echo yeah. that. Um, we've got time for a couple 
quick questions. Uh, the, one of these was not a question, but I'll repeat it for you anyway. Someone said, awesome presentation. So I thought you would be um, happy Thank you. to hear that. Whatever that was, thank you. Um, <laughs> let's great. see. Uh, question more Kinexus specific. What would be your number one piece of advice for an organization wanting to deploy Kinexus to a network, facility, or department? I think it goes back to understand how you how you intend to use it. Because um, again, if you don't have the process in place for how you're looking at projects and how you want to use the system, I mean, it's just technology, to be quite frank. You, you need to understand how it enables and fits into your organization's kind of vision of where you want to take process improvement. Um, you know, I, when I talk about Kinexus, um, elevating accountability and transparency, I can't, honestly, I can't say that enough because what will happen is as soon as ideas come in, you know, if you don't respond to ideas quickly, it elevates it to the person above them. So culturally, you have to be ready and accountable to be able to respond quickly to when you turn on that, I'll call it a faucet, because if you put it in the hands of staff, they're going to use it. Um, and so even in our organization, we've, we've only got it active on about 1,000 people across the organization, just under 1,000 people, I think. Um, so we've been very intentional of saying, timing-wise, when do we start flipping it on for all staff? Uh, very much during our projects, we flip it on for staff, but we're not just saying, hey, let's turn this department on and, and hope their leadership gets it. Um, so you really want to think long-term, how does it fit into where you want to go? Mm -hmm. And then ensure that with the approach you're using, how does it fit your need and view it more as a platform? And again, not just as a piece of technology. Well, I think that's that's great advice. You know, I think the general lean discussion around asking what problem are we trying to solve? You know, where the thing we get excited about yeah. at, at Kinexus to answer it on our behalf is not throwing technology around for the sake of technology, but we get excited about helping people solve problems like you described in the webinar here, Jason, um, yeah. helping people spread continuous improvement. That's that's really the mission and the thing we get excited about. Yeah. So I, I would agree with you there. But you know, we're, we're right about yeah. at the... No, I, oh, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say the, the flexibility of the Kinexus system, I haven't seen... I mean, we evaluated doing our own system. We evaluated two, of their other, two to three other products. And just the flexibility of their system and the fact that it's designed to make improvement easier, um, it, it just fit right in with what we're trying to do and what's flexible enough and they're responsive enough that when you have ideas for improvement, they listen to their customers and they make changes. Um, so that was another piece that helped make our decision. Well, sorry to have uh, almost stepped on you saying that, Jason. Thank you. Uh, thank you for yeah. that on behalf of the whole team at Kinexus. And thank you to everybody for uh, attending. I want to thank again Jason Coons from Kettering Health Network. Um, we got through a lot of the questions. There's a few still left unanswered, but there's contact info for uh, the both of us on screen, both Twitter and email. I would encourage you to um, reach out to either of us if you've got questions. And again, we're going to send out a link to the recording and the slides. We hope you'll share that with your colleagues. And uh, we want to thank you once again, as always, for taking time to participate today with us on our Kinexus webinar. And Jason, thanks to you.